0: Welcome to Your Call to Action with your host, Simon Bruno, sharing inspiration and motivation from the e-commerce world. Today, this is Your Call to Action. Hey guys, and welcome
1: to Your Call to Action. Hopefully, you guys are enjoying the holidays. This episode is a special holiday episode celebrating the best of 2018. So we've done seven podcasts in 2018, and we just got the best parts of those seven podcasts that will provide value to you. So I just made a simple montage for this week. So it's separated into two parts. The first part is more e-commerce talk, more about e-commerce industry, omni-channel and multi-channel retailing, as well as an e-commerce story. And then the second part is all about marketing and how to make your e-commerce business work from a marketing perspective. And a web um, perspective. So let's kick it all off with the CEO of Keepspace, Jesse Emia. So let's talk about e-commerce. <laughs> okay. <yes. laughs>
0: all right. <clears throat> what What are uh, What do you want to speak about specifically around e-commerce?
1: Um, let's talk about e-commerce just in, in in general at the moment,
0: how it's growing as so a market. As a market, okay. Um, uh, it is definitely a growing space. Um, what we did is we did some checks and some data reports through IBS and have recognized that the industry that we're in is quite a mature age industry. It's it's the logistics and uh, distribution channels. That industry is really, really quite old. But the e-commerce space is quite young. It's, it's still very early. It only holds less than twenty. No, I think it was less than fifteen percent of the entire retail yeah. market space. It's still it's still pretty small. It's still quite small, yeah. and trying to be able to find its its um its hold in that in that space is still quite a challenge. Um, but it's been recognized that it is making impact to existing heavyweights in the retail sector. David Jones has been taking a hit from it. Uh, Myers has been. Yeah not being able to keep up, so they sold their company to a European brand. And what we've recognized is that also the improvements of on-demand dispatch for products so that you're able to buy your products on the same day and have it dispatched to you within a two-hour time frame is becoming more of a reality for us here in Australia. And that's pretty exciting. So even though Australia Post holds a very high... High volume of goods that have been distributed across Australia. I guess the main thing that I've recognized is, is that there are a lot of opportunities with the technologies growing in e-commerce. It's making it easier for people to purchase goods online, find goods that are priced competitively online, and being able to dispatch them quickly online, deal with re- returns easier, and get them back without having the drama or hassle, which is really, I think being really encouraging. So for a, an example that I could think of right now is where Alibaba made, uh, Jack Ma made an announcement with new retail. Yeah. Um, Alibaba is looking to be able to refuse, uh, re, uh, revigorate is probably a better word. Yeah. The, the retail sector to be able in, to have more of a digital presence in the retail stores, which is trying to change traditional stores or traditional retail to new retail. That's the thing that they're pushing out. That's the thing that they're
1: pushing out. But it's not only really happening in China. It's kind of it's also happening here in uh, in Australia. I've noticed just with the particular supermarket that I still work at, because I still work in the retail space, they're now going into um, a, a click and collect system where. You get someone to do your shopping, and, you, and all you have to do is rock up with your bags, and and just pack up shopping, and then off you go. Everything's already paid for, so that that's sort of the thing we we're talking about: how e-commerce and traditional commerce is kind of fusing together, mm, um, with yeah. the end goal being either multi-channel approach or an omni-channel approach.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: So, being you've got a good mate who's. Kind of combining the two now. Hey Bryce. this <laughs> for you Bryce. <laughs> Escape of Peru. Yeah. He Australia. Was, yeah. So he was talking about how he's doing a multi-channel approach now. Mm-hmm. He started off doing sing- like a single uh, store online. Starting to get some
2: traction on, mm-hmm. on it. But now, yeah, he's gone offline as well. Well, again, offline is another distribution channel that you should consider. The traditional approach before the internet. People yeah. were selling offline. Yeah. And now we a lot of e-commerce businesses approach the other way around. When people figure out how they can sell online, they would like to start scaling up and to actually distribute their goods in another channel. And they will start to look for offline channel. But again, for to actually approach offline is really different from online where you really have to think about the strategy, yeah. location, placement, and a lot of other costs and stuff involved as well. And I think the reason why people are not actually um going offline is because re- let let's be real here. Yeah. Having a retail space is just too costly, and it's going to chew into your margin unless you are doing crazy volume. But a really good way that I realized that some really niche e com store has been doing is yep. to actually go to your local market. As funny as it is, yep. local market doesn't cost you a lot to have a pop-up store. Yeah. And to actually just start selling. And prior to that, you can just let your customer know hey, we are actually doing a limited time frame pop-up. Would you be interested to come? Or come and join us in this pop up. It's going to be fun. We will be there. Come and meet the founders. At the end of the day, just as much as your client would like to know about your product. Oh no, at the end of the day, just as much as you like to know about your client, your client would like to know about you as well. Your client would like to know who's the person on the other side of the screen. With that, you actually bring a lifelong engagement and brand loyalty as well. The fact that they know, hey, this person really care about my issue and the product is really solving an issue for me. It's not just another money-grabbing e store who just like I want to sell my product quick that's yeah. it so yeah and the good thing is you can actually start finding out if offline is something that people want for your product it's good to start small before scaling up do things yeah, that definitely yeah yep. there's always a staying in startup do things that it doesn't scale before you start scaling so and that quote was
1: by a startup guy called Paul Graham, who wrote a brief essay online, if you wanna check that out, we'll link it somewhere. Yeah. And but um, yeah, there's a little infographic here we got up. We yeah. just wants to go through that. Sure, so,
2: and yeah. I think it's absolutely relevant to any businesses, especially for e-commerce. So some of the nine things that Paul mentioned is to actually uh, recruit user manually. So that's how you're going to get your customer. Yep. The fact that startups are fragile is just like your e-com store. It's either you are going to hustle, 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 or someone is going to out-compete you by Mm. hustling harder. Make users really happy. Well, if you want to please everyone, be a clown. Unfortunately, I run an e-com store. (laughs) Uh, Have insanely great services. And another thing where I think a lot of e-com store owner and for retail businesses owner that they forgot is that At the end of the day, we are here to help our customer, and we need to, well, provide customer service somehow. Pick a narrow market that's going back to your niche. If you are selling everything, you are selling nothing. You gotta be focused, you gotta know what problem you're solving, and what's your product. That's it.
1: So talking about
2: niches and markets,
1: how did you come up with the niche that you're in for Escape? With the clothing brand, you can pretty much go in, every, in any direction imaginable. So, what made you think,
3: man, I want to do this for Escape? How did you come up with your first prototype idea, I guess, for your business? A friend of had a clothing business that he was running for a number of years, I think at least three years or something. And just watching him kind of go through it, and I was kind of admired and inspired. I uh, inspired, I should say, by what he was doing and everything. Just to see how he went about it and how his sales were going. And to see that it was possible, especially from that age, because that was about, you know, four or five years ago now, and he was obviously doing pretty well. Obviously, he worked his way up over those few years to get to that stage. Um, that kind of was a driving force in terms of getting started. So I kind of just decided to pick his brain a bit. Obviously, he had the experience, so I asked him a number of questions on what he was using, how he got started, um, suppliers, and looking at his designs and everything. I didn't want to keep it too similar or copy anything he was doing, and I did want to be a out or be different to my approach to the way I made the designs on clothing and everything and I decided to approach it with a, a minimal kind of view or a minimal kind of design. So if you look at the clothing that we've got out, all the designs, like there's almost zero effort in the design, partially because I have no idea how to use graphic design software and I think graphic design can cost a lot of money as well yeah, sure. and starting up as well not. When as you do, you don't want to spend too much money on something. Um, and if you, I found out the hard way, if you slap too many designs, and mass produce, people kind of don't want to purchase those items because they feel the item loses its uniqueness, its individuality, because everyone else can be wearing the same thing. Yeah. So starting to just kind of do less and less of those designs now. Um, but coming up with the first designs, I used a easy to use graphic design software called Canva and yep. i pretty much recommend that to anyone that wants to get out there and start making clothing or just start playing around with designs or anything. Really easy to use. It just You get to play around with text, import images. They've got like a monthly plan or yeah. you can just pay for images or logos or things as you go and I just found that the easiest way to, to go about it and just started making mock-ups and everything on there as well and starting to see how things were looking and decided to go all in after playing around with it like that. yeah. But minimalism is definitely the focus and uh, the unique characteristic that I think will help Escape stand out from any other streetwear brand out there at the moment because I think um, it's obviously a really congested niche. Yeah. Um, a lot of people have a clothing brand these days, um, That's it. Escape being one of them. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> so to stand out, you really need to do something different and I think minimalism is pretty underrated and a pretty open niche. Don't go stealing it now. <laughs> um, but yeah, I just think it. Yeah, I just think it's a really good niche to be in and I think people are starting to adapt into that way of thinking because I think less is more in a way and I'm just trying to advocate that a little bit through clothing
1: Hey guys, so that wraps up part one so I just thought I'd do a quick introduction to part two so I was fortunate enough to interview a heap of marketers this year so there's a heap of content that we could cover and it was hard to pick the best of 2018 so I've just decided to go with Growth hacking tips from Cam Sinclair, PPC ads, so Instagram ads and Facebook ads and Google ads, and like the differences between those with Ollie and Then we're talking about some branding with Mount Ming Johansson, and we're going to end it with WooCommerce or Shopify with Neil Gibson. What, what would you say would be five growth marketing tips you got for our well, listeners since...
4: for e-commerce businesses? Yeah, yeah. Uh, so. I think, I'm not going to give them in any particular order because I think they're all important, but um, bringing it back to, you know, understanding that it's far harder to acquire a new customer than it is to nurture an existing customer. Um, So, you know, finding ways to really leverage those existing customers that you've had in the past is a really powerful um, growth tip. So number one would be make sure you're getting as many reviews and testimonials as you can possibly get from from each and every one of your customers and having them say in their own words why they like your product and why they you know why they continue using it and then sharing that on your website on your listings on your Facebook page as far as wide as you possibly can yeah um, you know make an Instagram image with someone's testimonial on there um, because we know that what other people say about you is far more powerful than what you can say about yourself, yep. right? So that's probably number one. And then following on from that, how do we actually leverage your existing customer base further? Well, communicate with them. You know, collect their contact details. Make sure you keep a great email list and, you know, find ways to get in front of them as much as possible. You know, don't harass them, but with quality content, that's going to be useful to them. Yeah. So it's just the old, it's really just the old um, customer service um, adage, but finding ways to do that in this day and age. And so the third one is that customer list is actually super powerful on digital marketing platforms too. So, you know, you can download that email list that you have in, on your e-commerce store, load that into Facebook and build a custom audience. You can show ads just to your customers. Yeah, They can have special deals just for people that you know are your customers. They will see that particular call to action and ad in in Instagram. So. You know, re-enact, um, re-engaging those people as much as possible because you know they're already they already sold on on what you do. Yeah. So that's probably the three things to start with around existing customers. How can you use that to reach new customers? Well, there's awesome the feature in Facebook targeting called lookalike audiences. Yeah. So you know, you, yes, you're targeting your your existing customers, but expanding on that and using Facebook's algorithm to then um, find more people that are more likely to be your advocates and great customers by using lookalike audiences and yep. targeting them with the same sort of messages that brought in your original audience is super powerful um, and then number five I would say is just keeping your website and your digital channels um, as user friendly as possible making it as easy and frictionless and um, and even enjoyable as possible Yeah. to 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 make a sale and and actually running through that process yourself um you know on a regular basis so that you can find ways to improve that experience because as we know um you know so many people do get to that point where they can you've gone to all this effort you've got them onto your website you've got them looking at the product you've got them adding a product to the cart, but is there something which is actually stopping them from typing their credit card details in or um, putting their um, shipping details in, or whatever that is. Yep. So, yeah. So there's lots of cool things that you can do to improve that experience. There's abandoned uh, cart plugins for for most um, yep. e-commerce platforms to remind people to come back. Um, there's things like Hotjar, which is um, you know a WordPress tool where you can actually, or it's actually any website I think where you can see where people are dropping off yep. along the process and see what they're looking at on your website. So, you know, finding ways to improve that customer experience is
1: probably that not that fifth yeah, it's, tip. Yeah. It's definitely, like, probably number one thing for e-commerce businesses is, Sure, is that and if you can measure where things are going wrong, then, you know, you can run strategies. So, say, you've got a lot of car abandonment rates. If you run a strategy to get those guys back, then that's a good way to also increase your sales and increase your growth.
4: So, there's yeah. number six tip, number six remarketing. <laughs> yeah, remarketing is, uh, is is amazing. and. You know, we've all, we've all been victims. <laughs> well, not victims, but we've all <laughs> experienced yeah. it. We've looked at a pair of shoes on a particular site online and then those pair of shoes follow us everywhere on the internet. If we're looking at Facebook or if we're reading the news, you see that ad there. And the reason that advertisers do that is because it works. Yeah. It's because you're taking people from that consideration point to, oh look, I've seen this thing three times. I may as well just, oh, I'm in a better mood now. Or yeah. I'm feeling richer this you know this week. I'm just gonna take the plunge and, and buy it. Yeah. So, you know, it's thinking through it's so much more than just making people aware and getting people onto that website. There's a whole other level of customer experience that you need to think through and build out as yeah. well to, to maximise your sales.
5: Yeah, If you're not if you're not retargeting abandoned carts, you're, you're missing, you're out, missing out hugely. Yeah, because
1: yeah, say you've got a thousand people who abandon your car. If you can create a Campaign just to specifically target yeah. them, and only if you get like
5: ten percent of them, exactly, that's
1: a hundred customers right yeah. there. You know what I mean? Yeah, it's that's huge, huge yeah. especially for like growing e ecom
5: businesses. And what's that really going to cost you on a daily basis? A few bucks, you know, yeah, targeting that those sort of numbers. Yeah, yeah, you know? yeah, it's yeah, it's a cash cow to be milked. That one,
1: yeah, that one there, especially. Why don't we go through each one of the three big main platforms, main platforms and which one you would use for specific in- industries? So Facebook
5: ads, uh, I guess they're, they're a big hype in the last few years. They've been the sexy thing to be doing. You know, yeah. I've got a, a lot of clients coming through the door wanting to do Facebook ads because their clients are doing Facebook or their customers are doing Facebook ads or their competitors yeah. are doing Facebook ads. The problem with Facebook ads is that you have to realize that when people are browsing Facebook, they're not there to, to shop, you know. So mm-hmm. really what you're relying on is hijacking their attention span with really, really good creative, with really engaging ad copy, or with a really good offer, you know. Yeah. So that's probably also goes back to the and card thing, you know. People aren't really around, around these platforms to be sold to, you know. So then if you do get them to the stage where they've almost checked out um you're doing really well um so just know that they're not there to to buy you know they're there to see what their friends are up to what funny cat videos have been uploaded etc um so the remarketing and hitting them again with your brand over and over again is is very important having said that i think facebook ads are very very effective they can be very effective for certain industries Uh, you know we've got something like 2 billion monthly users on Facebook. Yeah. So you should definitely be present on on this platform. Uh, E-commerce, you know, I've just recently bought something uh, from a random company because they hit me with Facebook ads. Yeah. And then they were very, very clever with their retargeting as well. Yeah. the product was probably a bit above the price point that I wanted to pay. Yeah. But after being hammered for about two weeks with with ads that weren't annoying, but that were really engaging, yeah. it's like, you know what? I don't care. I'm just going to spend those extra few dollars. You yeah. know? and pay for that premium shipping to come from Europe as well. Um, With Facebook ads, again, you know, you've got a huge audience here. One of the problems with Australian e-commerce stores is that our local market is really small, especially when you compare it even to our immediate neighbors, you know, Indonesia, huge population, you know, Malaysia, huge population go out a bit, we've got China just around the corner. Yeah. yeah. So then you look at tiny little Australia with our 24 million 25 million people you know you've got a very small market yeah very uh, small yeah we went to I think one of the dangers is of clients that come to us wanting to start e-commerce stores who might have just started their Shopify store and they're not getting any sales you know don't you're not limited to Australia you know you've got it's a digital campaign you've got global reach that's it go global UK is probably a very good market to be tapping into because they're very similar to Australians but they've got way more people there.
1: We went to uh, your Australia Post event mm-hmm. and that was the Australia Post guys are telling us, like you, you might think like Australia's um, e-commerce thing is pretty big because we do 24 billion a year. Okay. But um, in, in actual fact, we're only zero, 0.01% of the whole <laughs> wow. e commerce market. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, if you guys are like struggling with the Australian market, then maybe just start, uh, go to the UK or, or something like that because at the, at the end of the day we're only
5: 0.01%. Yeah, that's tiny, oh, yeah. yeah. really, really small. How about Instagram? So Instagram, again, very similar to Facebook in the, in the sense that they aren't really there to buy yeah um two years ago, if we had sat down and talked about the Australian econ market, yeah. I probably wouldn't have been very comfortable with recommending Instagram ads just because the conversion rate was so low. Uh, now we're seeing a tremendous shift over the last eighteen months, especially, where people are just crazily just purely picking products uh, based on something they've seen on Instagram. yeah you know uh, so Instagram, your audience is probably a bit younger here. Uh, but having said that we're now seeing the older generation pick it up as well you know obviously they're seeing their kids on it they're seeing their teenagers on Instagram sooner or later they're going to check that out as well that's that's what we're seeing now so yeah Um, I
1: guess the last one probably the is it the oldest one? The oldest? Uh, It'd be one of the original. One of the you know, OG ones. One of the OGs. <laughs> uh, so um, Google, Google Ads, yeah. Google
5: PPC Ads. Obviously, with Google Ads, you've got a whole spectrum of platforms available to you. You've got the you know search, search ads, you've got the display ads, and then also you've got the shopping ads. You know? Yeah. Which can be a bit of a pain to set up, you know. Especially getting that product feed going to Google Merchant Center can be difficult for some people, yeah, uh, because they do want a lot of detail and they're not—they're quite vague about about how to set it all up. Uh, okay. Uh, but having said that, I'm probably a, the biggest fan of Google Ads. Um, when you compare it to Facebook and Instagram. There's no intent there, as we already said. Yeah. Google Ads, the intent is huge. you yes. just typed yep. your keyword into Google, and you're hitting them with your product based on the keywords they've typed in. You know, yep. that's, you, you can't ask for a better thing, you know, yeah, so it. the only thing then is A, you have to be present. Hopefully you don't have too much competition because otherwise your cost per click is gonna go through yeah. the roof. Yeah. Uh, and hopefully you've also got a good good website good landing page experience for those that are clicking through those are the things that will probably keep your cpc down see your conversions go up which one should you be present at if you've got enough budget i think you should be present on all of them yeah uh, one of my pet hates these days being coming from a traditional marketing perspective is that A lot of people think facebook ads is marketing or instagram ads are marketing yeah it's not it's advertising it's a promotional tool and it should be part of your marketing mix yeah definitely you should really be ideally omnipresent you know you want you want to have four five six points of contact with your prospective buyer so they're really confident with you you know they go back to that abandoned car Their partners just hassled them. mark oh, can you take the bin out of something and they've forgotten about you you know if they've had five or six points of contact they're going to remember your brand name it's like yeah i wanted to buy that thing off them i better go back to them you know so you're converting just from brand awareness and not having to you know focus or hope so much that you're retargeting ads are going to are going to work yeah. for you. Yeah, so you've yeah. got multiple channels, multiple you yeah. know points where people are coming in, more eggs in more baskets. You've got a much much more successful future ahead of you.
6: The whole history of marketing before the internet. Yeah. We have a reason why we buy the brand of bread that we buy.
1: Yeah. We
6: have a reason why we like a specific brand of car. We have a reason where Samsung users or iPhone users. Yeah. Right? So, so there is a story entrenched in that. And what you're doing by sharing your purpose values and, you know, all of that is you're getting people to buy the story. Um, there's this wonderful case study that recently popped up out of nowhere about Payless Shoes and they, and they did this... Um, they rebranded the store and made it look like it was a really expensive Italian brand and, yeah. and they had all these you know, movers and shakers and influencers buying these shoes... These Payless shoes, which yeah. is, you know, a, a cheap brand of shoe. <laughs> um, you know, and they were paying like $500, 600 $700 for a pair of shoes.
1: Just because of the... Because the
6: story that they were buying... Yeah. The story they were buying was that this was an Italian brand, that this was sharp, it was clean, it looked great, it's good, it's good quality, it's good... So they were buying a story. Yeah. At the end of the day, it was the exact same product to a Payless shoe. But the story that they were buying into was the branding and the message and who was there and, you know, so, yeah, I think, I think I might have gotten off track, but (laughs) it's, um, so how social media, you know, the story of your business and, you know, any business owner that thinks that they actually can't be a part of their brand or they're not, they're not the face of their business. You have a personal brand, whether you realize it or not. You, the individual human being, has a yeah. personal brand. People like to think that the brand is, you know, something separate to them. Or, but the brand of your business is the people that are in it.
1: Yeah, I, I think personal branding and, and connecting that with your brand is actually pretty important.
6: It's powerful. Um, you know, who, who are you showing? So for me, it's who, who am I showing? Who am I demonstrating who needs to see the version of me sitting in that seat Hmm. um you know and i so i had a really rough childhood i I grew up in a lot of uh, in a very violent environment for the first 17 years of my life um and i was homeless when i was 17 and and all and that wasn't me running away from home and being romelli's kid that was an economic situation i was homeless Mm -hmm. out of economic scenario and you know, and I got myself out of that. Who else needs to hear that story? Who else needs to see that? That's a part of my brand. I yeah. own that. I, mean, mm-hmm. I own who I am. I'm, I'm all warts and all the whole lot. Um, so I think there are always, you know, and even with losing my partner and going through grief and you know, and all of that sort of stuff, I think there is lots to help somebody else in their journey who might just need to see the example that they have never had before.
1: Yeah.
6: So, yeah, that's the power of personal branding and tying that into your brand of your business.
1: First question I want to ask you, um, Neil, is a pretty big question. Mm -hmm. Shopify or WooCommerce? Gotcha. Um, Finally,
7: that's a common question with clients, um, but our, uh, our answer is a bit uncommon. We would actually say neither. So we like Shopify, Shopify is a great system, although we've plumped for BigCommerce. Uh, BigCommerce has got a um, hasn't got a bigger marketing budget, but it's got a really really resilient system. It's got fantastic support um, and it's got a really good partner program as well. It's a, they're very um very approachable the team yep. there. Um, but more so they've actually just released a what we're considering a WooCommerce killer, which is a commerce as a service plugin to WordPress okay. so ordinarily you would generally have a standalone website which was bu- uh, focused on marketing based on WordPress yep. and then a, maybe a subdomain using Shopify or BigCommerce for the e-commerce component now what you can actually do is embed uh, the, the, what they call headless commerce inside WordPress so you still get all, all the good stuff in terms of SEO and optimisation yep. but all the functionality of big commerce within the application so um you don't have to deal with woocommerce in terms of updating the add-ons it's all handled you know, remotely by big commerce so oh, yeah wow. that, that's a big cool um, yeah it's a big um, step forward i think i know that's
1: one of the reasons why i've on shopify right because all the hosting and all the yep, everything right. like everything is already inside the system yep. it's already done by um what's it What's a term called? It's a technical term like I know. We're, we're, WooCommerce is
7: software as a service. Do you mean?
1: I know, it's like, I know WooCommerce is like open source, whereas Shopify is the opposite. Like, That's a hosted is kind of solution. Yeah, yeah, hosted so, solution. Yeah, yeah, so,
7: yeah. so, so they they build the software. They're constantly doing updates to the system, you know, which 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 can be a struggle in itself, especially if you're using a third party theme on top of it. Yeah. But generally, it's not as bad as some of the upgrades we've seen with com- uh, with um, WordPress and WooCommerce, yeah. which have been pretty pretty significant. And yep. um, what we also find is people will often use an off-the-shelf theme, and that can be a struggle in itself. Yeah,
1: especially with all those plugins uh, that are associated with this off-the-shelf ones and like That's just right. slows your website completely down. Yeah, there's you got a, careful.
7: when you right. implement an off-the-shelf theme, often a lot of the time that is taken in doing that is turning off a lot of the bells and whistles because yep. they want to make it full-featured so yeah, yeah, you yeah. want to buy it. But yeah, yeah, it can be pretty painful. And if you also start making changes to a pre-purchase or an off-the-shelf theme, you can really get yourself into some some trouble pretty easily. Yep. Yeah, it's I mean, the pre-purchase themes are a good option, especially yep. if the budget's not there. But you just got to be aware of its of their limitations. Okay,
1: cool. Okay, well, let's end the podcast with sure. your call to action. So, what is the thing that you want every, all the e-commerce sisters out there to do this week?
7: Yeah, I'll probably hark back to what I said earlier about um, asking your customers. Super, super valuable to actually get an understanding of why your customers are using you, and that's not just for e-commerce. So, we often do that as well. Um, and not just through you know quick feedback form but actually say what were the things that made you engage with us uh, from a developer perspective but also from a, an e-commerce perspective going out is it price is it the experience are the things that they didn't like because you, you're not going to know unless you ask those questions yep. and then once you get that information you can constantly refine your offering so get out there and, and ask your customers why they use you
1: and that wraps up Um, the podcast so i'll see you guys all next year have a happy and safe new year a huge thanks to you guys for listening in 2018 and and a huge thank you to our guests as well for making the podcast what it is so until next time until next year
0: i'll see you later thank you for listening to your call to action this episode has been sponsored by keep space do you run an e-commerce business is picking and packing your orders getting you down send your products to us And we'll get it done on time, every time, integrating right into your website and marketplace with amazing shipping rates. Go to keepspace.com.au forward slash your call to action to get an amazing opportunity.